Welcome back to the Founded on Christ podcast. Uh, just reminding everybody here to begin with that the option to send in something, a testimony or any recording you have, anything you want to put out to the masses about your uh, understanding and belief in Christ, you can send that into Founded on Christ podcast at gmail.com. We've had, we've had a few people take advantage of that. You've heard those. Hopefully they've been edifying to you. And uh, I'll keep that option open for other people uh, moving into the future. But uh, today I have some guests with me, some very awesome special guests uh, on the podcast with me. I'll start with um, the beautiful lady to my right that she can introduce herself. I am Amanda. And I am Curtis's wife. <laughs> Her debut appearance. <laughs> All everyone who's listened to Ears to Hear or Founded of Christ has heard me talk about my wife, and here she is. That's me. In the flesh, kind of. In the kind digital of. flesh. Her voice imprint. Next to her is I'm Guy. I the coolest guy we know. <laughs> I'm just an awesome guy. You know? <laughs> Some people guy. might call me the perfect guy, but <laughs> the perfect guy. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I've never heard guy use that one until we're on the podcast, and then it's the perfect guy. <laughs> what can I say? He's he's Amanda's brother, and then next to guy we have. This is Colleen. You've heard me before. <laughs> She's back on the podcast, but this time all of us together, and uh, we've been wanting to do something like this for a while, and I think. Thanks to Amanda just kind of pushing us finally tonight is the night that it's going to happen. But I'm going to I'm going to allow Colleen, because this was kind of her brainchild for this particular podcast. I'm going to allow her to... Oh, I should say, I'll, I'll probably put this in here. Depending on how long this goes, we may cut it up into pieces. In which case, I'll probably just give a little bit of an intro. But we'll just probably... I'll cut it up and we'll jump right into the conversation where we left off. Depending on how long this goes. But... Uh, Colleen, I'm going to allow you to introduce the topic, what we're talking about. All right. Um, I wanted to go through Lehi's dream um, because I've noticed that people um, kind of have a hard time with the imagery of these things that uh, Lehi sees and um, also the interpretations that Nephi um, also receives when he actually goes and asks the Lord for um, explanations and, and revelation on what those things mean as well. So, yep. um, Well, it's because, I mean, this... This vision, right, that Lehi has dominates a good portion of the early part of the Book of Mormon, right? All of us who've made it to Isaiah chapters and failed and started o started over, we've reread this vision quite a few times. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's I'd say it's very fundamental to a lot of new converts and their understanding of the church and has a lot of symbology, a lot of uh, concepts and parables wound up inside of it. And uh, it's also something that... Layman and Lenmiel, uh, despite hearing, don't ever take the time to actually figure out what it all means, and Nephi does, and there's significance there. And so uh, the 
taking some time to discuss this vision and some of possible interpretations of, of the things that Lehi sees and that Nephi sees is worth our time. Because obviously Moroni thought it was worth his time to include in there, including, you know, the angels giving uh, Nephi some interpretations. So. Yeah. And so what we wanted to do was read through Lehi's dream, um, which is first Nephi chapter eight. Um, that's the whole entirety of his actual dream. Um, but we want to pause at certain places um, and chat and kind of explain what we believe those are symbol symbolic, I guess, yeah, of what they signify. Yeah, what they signify. Um, so Amanda has said that she would do the reading <laughs> because yeah. that's the only way we're going to get her to talk. That's my participation. <laughs> she, she gets her participation trophy for reading. <laughs> so we'll start with her reading. So, Okay, verse 1. And it came to pass that we had gathered together all manner of seeds of every kind, both of grain of every kind, and also of the seeds of the fruit of every kind. It came to pass that while my father tarried in the wilderness, he spake unto us, saying, Behold, I have dreamed a dream, or in other words, I have seen a vision. And behold, because of the thing which I have seen, I have reason to rejoice in the Lord because of Nephi and also of Sam. For I have reason to suppose that they and also many of their seed will be saved. But behold, Laman and Lemuel, I fear exceedingly because of you. For behold, me thought I saw in my dream a dark and dreary wilderness. Okay, we'll stop right there. Yes. And we're going to kind of ask everybody what the dark and dreary wilderness represents. Well, for me, <laughs> for me, it'd be just... The world, you know, we uh, we come into we come down from a place of light, and we come into this place that's full of darkness. That we can, you know, it can be dark, it can be dreary, and every once in a while we can find light in it, but and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I think in this, you can make reference to. I can't remember which one it is now. The you know the, they wander to and fro looking for the word of God, but they they can't find it. Right? Yeah. You, you guys know a famine of yes, not a famine of, water. of the word of God. Yeah, yeah exactly. not of food and water, but of hearing yeah. the word of God. So not only does it describe the celestial world that we live in being fallen, you know, because of partaking of the fruit, right? The dark and dreary, but it's also dark and dreary because we have less of. The word of God, like we have to really search for it, and that becomes, I think, a very uh, thorough put theme in this dream of searching for and holding on to truth and the light inherent therein and where it leads you to, right? And so, the dark and dreary wilderness, at least for me, is is the the world that we live in, which is in its very nature opposed to truth, I guess. In light. 
Yeah. And it came to pass that I saw a man, and he was dressed in a white robe, and he came and stood before me. And it came to pass that he spake unto me and bade me follow him. Okay. So, who is this man? Yeah. And... I think we need to read a few more. Yeah. I think it's okay to ask the question right now. Yeah. Because I think we all have an idea. Yeah. (laughs) Especially growing up in the church like we do. Someone comes to you in a white robe in a dream. You think you understand what that means. Yes. But like Guy says, I think we need to keep reading to get a better understanding of this. Okay. A couple more verses. And it came to pass that as I followed him, I beheld myself that I was in a dark and dreary waste. And after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me according to the multitude of his tender mercies. I'll go one more. Yeah, read one more. And it came to pass, after I had prayed unto the Lord, I beheld a large and spacious field. All right. Who wants to break this open? (laughs) (laughs) So for me, you see this... This man and and Lehi describes him as a man all dressed in white. Um, I mean, growing up, for me, you would automatically assume it was an angel of the Lord. Yeah. Now, keep in, something I noticed this time, it doesn't talk anything about him having any sort of aura yeah, of It doesn't light. say any light. No, he, he just, just said he's dressed, dressed in white. In a white robe. Which That's I noticed it. just a little later. He also talks about something else that is white, which is the fruit of the tree. And he describes that as as whiter than anything he'd ever seen in his existence. Or yeah, yeah, it gotcha. talks about there, white. There's a lot more qualifiers to he's it. He's like, but if uh, he's talking about a man dressed in white, and yet later on he's talking about something else that's white, and and talks about it being the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. You know, yeah. The, greatest white he's ever seen which in comparison well um, definitely and <laughs> the, in, the guy's not glowing and I think it's important that this person comes to him and tells him to follow yeah follow me yeah, he tells Lehi sorry I should say that better he tells Lehi to follow him okay he comes to him dressed in a white robe and tells him to come follow him all, all the appearance of being a of uh, somebody powerful with authority and, yeah. and stuff like that to um, to have him follow him, you know, yeah. follow the leader. You know. But what's interesting is that he follows this person, they go into the dark and dreary waste, and they travel for the space of many hours, and there's still nothing going on. <laughs> yeah. No fruits. He's, he's, Come on. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no fruits. He's following exactly. this guy, and yet there's no fruit being born of following yep. this guy, right? Yep. I mean... And what's really important is that it's interesting. He then, <laughs> he then, I guess you could say he loses some faith in this person mm-hmm. because like, he then decides to pray. I've been following this guy for how long and where is it leading me? And only further and further into the stark and dreary waste, you know? Yep. And as soon as he prays to the Lord, he then gets a, a marker, mm-hmm. right? But this whole section, verses five through nine, it's giving me vibes of the. Uh, uh, they draw near unto me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, right? Mm-hmm. This person coming to them with a white robe saying, follow me. I know the way I will show you where to go. 
and yet they got nothing. <laughs> they they're the results, like you said, the fruits aren't there. They're wandering in the in the wilderness for hours. And yet instantly when he prays, something happens, right? There when he prays is, to the right source. Exactly. Yeah. When he goes directly to the Lord, right? Stark contrast. And I have to think that's important. I mean, Lehi later on, he's talking to his children, right? Um, he's talking to, was it Joseph or Jacob or something? And he's talking about, in fact, it's in Second Nephi 2, he talks about there must needs be an opposition in all things. And mm-hmm. you have this where he is experiencing all this darkness being led into the dark and dreary waste. And then um, to contrast that, you have um, what's coming up next. But um, just, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything that, um, but in my in the past, I've never come to appreciate the light so much as when I've had experiences in the dark to, to compare and contrast with, right? Yeah. The light never seems so bright if you haven't experienced that darkness. Yeah. I think that's oftentimes, like, and in, in that happens to Lehi, or sorry, Nephi, later on when he asks about this dream and then gets even more. You see that he's he's given a lot of light, but he's also given a lot of darkness with it, mm-hmm. right? And, and some of that is just the nature of the human existence and how people are going to proceed in life and how sin is a natural part of what we do. But I think I think there there's something more eternal to that. I think the Lord has to give with both hands, mm-hmm. and if if for no other reason, like you said, is so that you learn to cherish. Mm-hmm. the grace even more because you can settle it against the background of Satanism. You know, that in of itself, it, it gives you worth. But I think the, the concept of truth and knowledge, those things have to go together. And often the Lord lets us be deceived yeah, so that we can come to him mm-hmm. and get on that path. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what Lehi does is he realizes this is going nowhere. And um, I better go to the Lord and figure out where I need to go because. Yeah. There's no better teacher than experience, really. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why we're here. Right. And I, I definitely, I agree with that 100%. People that don't think that the Lord will allow you to, to spin your wheels in the mud. I don't think they fully understand the concept of agency and the test of this life. He'll absolutely let you follow the man in the white robe in the wilderness for hours. And if it will mean that you will then humble yourself and have a broken heart and contrite spirit. Yep. And then come to him. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, like it, it, once again, the contrast, mm-hmm. you know, and once you've had that, then you, then it's almost, okay, why would I ever do anything else? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's an important lesson for everybody who claims or wants to be a follower of Christ to learn that lesson. Well, it's kind of like with Moses when he was up on the Mount and he had received God, yeah. you know, his light, his yeah, face power face to face. And then Satan comes in, Lucifer. Yes, yes. yes. And he's like, 
why you can't tempt me because I just was speaking with God. Why do you want me to follow you? Yeah. You know, like you, you're not powerful, mm-hmm. you know, like it reminds me of that. Yeah. And as I was pondering on this earlier, you kind of, sometimes you got to put yourself in the person's shoes. Yeah. If you put yourself in Lehi's shoes up to this point, I mean, he grew up in a very religious area with, I mean, I mean, right near the center of, of their religion, right? With yes. Jerusalem, right outside of Jerusalem and stuff like that. And he was, grew up in the culture among of the Jews and, and all that culture. And, um, and then something happens. He has these experiences that kind of make him question, you know, the leaders at the time. Yeah. And make some question, all that stuff. And then he, he has an experience with the Lord and the Lord has him go as a prophet to try and correct some of the false traditions at the time. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of, kind of the same thing in the stream. It's like the, the man in the stream in the white robe dressed all in white, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, the leadership at the time and what what he had experienced up to that point before he was converted and he went to the Lord directly. Yeah. It's almost just like that in his life up to that point because he had been looking to, he had been following the leadership of the Jews at the time. Yeah, the Deuteronomists. And, and stuff like that. And he had, he had been following them faithfully probably. Mm-hmm all his life and then he looks to the Lord and is led a different way, right? Yep. And uh, I mean the among the Jews at the time they have a tendency to consider themselves they very much consider themselves righteous at the time. Oh, yeah. I mean later on you have um, Laman and Lemuel there, Laman and Lemuel are very much. Um, um, their views are similar, like right. the people. Yeah. They're they're more in line with the people at Jerusalem, yeah, than they were. Well, they straight up say later on, like they were righteous. You're crazy. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. just about to read oh, okay, that. Gotcha. And, and I believe Second Nephi seventeen, in verse twenty two, they're talking and they say, and we know that the people who were in the land of Jerusalem were righteous people. For they kept the statutes and judgments of the Lord and all his commandments according to the law of Moses. Wherefore, we know that they are righteous people and our father hath judged them and hath led us away um, because we would hearken unto his words. Yea, and our brother is like him. And after this manner of language did my brethren murmur and complain against us. I mean, it's very much like we we know our leaders back in we know the religious leaders back in Jerusalem were righteous people. They would never lead us astray. They would never do anything that, that I mean, they're righteous people. Yep. And they're, they're very much along the lines of we, we trust and respect and believe the leaders back in Jerusalem than yep. we do our own father. I mean, he's an imagined, he's um, a visionary man and all this imaginations of his heart and yep. And all that's like... And ironically, when asked about this vision, 
They say, the Lord maketh no thing known to us. The Lord didn't tell us this through our leaders back in Jerusalem. Yeah. So why would he tell our father? I think it's really easy for us, and we do it all the time at church. We we look at Laman and Lemuel, and we say, they they just didn't get it, right? We we stick our noses up, and we say, we wouldn't be like them. But yet, anybody who's listening to this right now needs to go and think about how that applies to us today. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll see the parallels. Are I really think strong. we're very much in the same position yes. now as the people of Jerusalem were in. And unfortunately, I think more of us are like Laman and Lemuel <laughs> than yeah. like Nephi and Lehi. Mm-hmm. I think Nephi and Lehi were very much the exception. Yep. Rather than I mean, Lehi. it's important to note Lehi, he wasn't, how do I put this? He wasn't anybody special at the time. The Lord told him to start preaching to the people of Jerusalem. I mean, he had Jeremiah there already. Mm-hmm. He had, and they had the synagogues many, full of religious leaders. And it talks about even more um, prophets being sent to the people at the time. Exactly. We don't know. It doesn't even say how many. It could be dozens of people that the Lord has inspired to go and preach to the people in Jerusalem. Yeah. Know? And yet he prays and he acts on that prompting and it leads him. to. And I don't think anybody nowadays would not consider Lehi a prophet. Mm-hmm. But ironically, but yeah, he was cast out. Yeah, of, he was cast out of Jerusalem for be, trying to, yeah, for not being a prophet. Basically, excommunication. Yeah, he was excommunicated. Essentially, sure, yeah. they they sought after his life. Okay, mm-hmm. I imagine they pushed him out of the church <laughs> in that sure, process. If you look at most prophets in the scriptures, it's very much the same. Yeah, they were going against the religious leaders of the time. Yep, exactly. and they were pretty much excommunicated. And, you know, leading people astray, if you would, from the, the established, yeah. um, established people at the time. Yep, exactly. I also want to say, put in there, that um, it wasn't just men prophets at the time. Yeah. There were women yep. prophets, yeah. prophetesses. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to forget that. Yeah, exactly. Don't forget the women. Yep. Just like today. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Anyway. <coughs> Anything you want to add, Amanda, before we start reading? Okay. <laughs> I think you get to read like four, four verses. Read four verses. And it came to pass that I beheld a tree. What does the tree represent? Let's just keep, keep going. Reading That's why back. I said four <laughs> verses. Keep going. Whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. And it came to pass that I go forth and partake of the fruit thereof. And I beheld that it was most sweet above all that I ever before tasted. Yea, and I beheld that the fruit thereof was white to exceed all the whiteness that I had ever seen. If, like I said, if you take that and you compare and contrast it to the man he described as just being in white, yeah. Yeah. and yet there's the a stark fruit, contrast. <laughs> and the fruit is to exceed all whiteness that he had ever seen, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Almost like the person wearing the white robe was trying to appeal to the nature of the fruit, but because of the nature, couldn't quite get there. Yeah. yeah. Very much. And as I partook of the fruit thereof, it filled my soul with exceedingly great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also. 
for I knew that it was desirable above all other fruit. And as I cast my eyes round about that perhaps I might discover my family also, I beheld a river of water, and it ran along, and it was near the tree of which I was partaking the fruit. Okay. So, what's the tree? I, we, um, as Latter-day Saints, know that it's Christ, right? We yeah, want well, to get to Christ. Well, even Lehi doesn't go on to explain what they all mean. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's later with Nephi. Nephi, who's going to the Lord himself and wanting the interpretation of all these things, that we end up learning what these things symbolize. Yeah. Yeah, and I also would like to add in there that the tree also symbolizes Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. I mean, we're not just trying to get back to Christ. Mm -hmm. We are trying to get back to our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Mother who sent us on this journey, who want us to succeed and come back I guess, fulfilled with light and knowledge and growth. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's easy to slot in Christ for a lot of the -hmm. explanations of these things. Right. But that's because the nature of the atonement and of being the savior, it touches on everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, and it should all be echoing back to him because he is the way there is no other way. It's through the broken heart, contrite spirit, obeying the promptings from him that we get back to him. But there is, there's more metaphors, right? And like I, like you said, with father and mother, and I want to say specifically, when Nephi is asked about the interpretation of this, I believe he's actually shown Mary first. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. she gives birth to Christ, That's which true. is an interesting, if you think about that, I think it's really easy for us to go right to Christ. Yeah. But I like the symbolism there that it actually the tree could symbolize fa- the family relationships that Christ has, not only with Mary, his mother, but Mary, his wife, and with Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. All those things, they are what hold Christ up. Christ being the fruit, the tree, his family relationships, being the, the foundation for his love of us. They hold him up. They they create the foundation that Christ really has built who he is upon, right? There's, yeah. there's some aspects there worth considering. Yeah. So have I don't know if we've we've kind of talked about it, but... Let's give an actual definition to to those things. The fruit is, what does the fruit symbolize? The fruit is the word of God. The word of God. Okay. Which I also think kind of, if you pull back and try and have an eternal viewpoint, it would be like, partaking of the fruit is like partaking of eternal life. Yes. Right. And being able to, it's, and he said when he partook of it, he filled him with joy and happiness. I mean, when we get to the point where we have eternal life, we've got to that point, we'll be filled with the same thing. So I think the fruit also symbolizes like reaching eternal life mm-hmm. and partaking yeah. of that um, blessing, which um, isn't it, doesn't it say somewhere that the greatest of all the gifts of God is eternal life? Yeah. 
Yeah, I can't think of the scripture, but I know what you're talking about. And I think another interpretation of this, you could look the fruit as being uh, the second comforter. Yeah, that's yeah. It's you know, it has similar implications as to what you're just talking about. But the the way that we get there and what happens when we do get there, where you enter into Christ's presence and His fullness and His glory, and you're then able to converse with Him. You know, as as you're able to get answers and understanding, like that very much fits with the theme, I think, of, of the fruit and the love of God, the word of God, literally from his mouth yeah. as you've received the second comforter. Yeah. All right. Did you want and, to talk about well, that? I was gonna say, well from Lehi's dream, you go to Nephi. Okay. And we were we've been talking about what he sees and what the angel has interpreted, yeah. which is Mary and Christ, or Mary having Christ, and behold, the angel says, the Lamb of God, mm-hmm. um, and he is the tree, and also Heavenly Father and Mother. Yes. Um and it also um it talks about a river of water yes okay i was going to ask if you wanted to talk about the river yeah so glad you <laughs> which, <laughs> is, which is something lehigh doesn't really yeah he doesn't even, into it a whole lot. He doesn't yeah. even really he's notice just like that. it's just like, a river of water there was a river over there somewhere i think i remember something about a river <laughs> which i think later when <laughs> Nephi is asking the lord about these things the Lord even says, yeah, your father didn't even, he was so enamored yeah. with all this other stuff that he really didn't even pay attention yeah. to that. You know, and that, even before we even go into the interpretation of that, that actually just strikes me because we were having a conversation before this about the nature of different people's testimonies. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is why the Lord has multiple people testifying of the truth for Lehi you know, that wasn't an important thing for him because that wasn't as important for him to tell, right? He had a certain thing to tell, a certain thing he needed to say. So the river wasn't as important. Could he have found more information if he looked? Sure, but he didn't, you know. But Nephi is, and he does, and he goes, finds it, and he gets information. And it's only with the combination, right, of the mm-hmm. two that we really get the full interpretation thereof. And so I think there's there's a little subtle... Uh, promote there for multiple witnesses and everybody trying to seek truth and compare and contrast coming together with our truth. Everybody has a different viewpoint of things. So when you take multiple people, it gives you a a bigger picture of what's going on. Yeah. It it doesn't mean that one of them was more righteous than the other. It just means that they had different, they're different people, different personalities. Mm -hmm. They came at this dream a different Mm -hmm. way. Well, and then, um, in where um, Nephi gets the interpretation, he says in First Nephi twelve sixteen, he says, "And the angel spake unto me, saying, Behold, the fountain of filthy water which thy father saw, yea, even the river which he spake, and the depths thereof are the depths of hell." And the mists of darkness are them t- are the temptations of the devil, which blindeth the eyes and hardeneth the hearts of the children of men, and leadeth them away into broad roads, and they perish 
and are lost. Yeah. And worst case scenario, they get lost in the in the mist and they fall into the river. Right. Yeah. I imagine that's that's Satan's ultimate goal, right? Is to lead everyone to the river. Yeah. All right. So more we need to talk about, or are we good for have to read? I think we're good. Okay. How On far should she read? Um, I would say down to I would say to twenty six. Okay. Resuming. Okay. Down to twenty five. And it came to pass that I beckoned unto them, and I also did say unto them with a loud voice that they should come unto me and partake of the fruit, which was desirable of all other fruit. And it came to pass that they did come unto me and partake of the fruit also. And it came to pass that I was desirous that Laman and Lemuel should come and partake of the fruit also. Wherefore, I cast mine eyes toward the head of the river, that perhaps I might see them. And it came to pass that I saw them, but they were not; they would not come unto me and partake of the fruit. And I beheld a rod of iron, and it extended along the bank of the river, and led to the tree by which I stood. And I also beheld a straight and narrow path which came along by the rod of iron, even to the tree by which I stood, and it also led by the head of the fountain unto a large and spacious field, as if it had been a world. And I saw numberless concourses of people, many of whom were pressing forward, that they might obtain the path, which led unto the tree by which I stood. And it came to pass that they did come forth and commence in the path which led to the tree. And it came to pass that there arose a mist of darkness, yea, even an exceedingly great mist of darkness, insomuch that they who had commenced in the path did lose their way, that they wandered off and were lost. And it came to pass that I beheld others pressing forward, and they came forth and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron. And they did press forward through the mist of darkness, clinging to the rod of iron, even until they did come forth and partake of the fruit of the tree. And after they had partaken of the fruit of the tree, they did cast their eyes about as if they were ashamed. All right. So, the rod... Yeah, there's there's a couple things in here. There's the rod of iron, mm-hmm. which you know is very important. Yes. But also, he mentions a straight and narrow path. Mm-hmm. So, we'll start with the rod of iron. Yeah. Well, for for me, I want to go back even further where it talks about you know he became desirous that his family would partake, and he said. He looked, and it says, just a little ways off is where he saw Sariah and Sam and Nephi. 
Yeah. And he beckoned them and they came towards him. But notice when he's looking for Laman and Lemuel, it said... They wouldn't come. Well, notice where he saw them. He said, I cast mine eyes towards the head of the river that I might see them. And so he sees... Oh, that, he I, sees I see his, that, yeah. Two of I his might sons. perhaps see them. I was yeah. like, I was looking for them. I didn't know. And I guess I'll look at the head of the river. They might be there. Yeah. It, I find it, it... I just barely notice this, too, is huh. that, that, that he yeah. he saw his wife and two of his sons not a little ways off, you know. Yeah. But then when he's looking for Laman and Lemuel, I said he looked toward the head of the river. Yeah. And that's where he saw them. And that's really interesting. He back in toward them and they wouldn't come. Yeah. You know? Usually when we read this, we I know I have. I always envision them all together as a family, like yeah. right there. And that, you know, Nephi and Sam, they'll come. But mm -hmm. Laman and Lemuel won't. But no, they're actually in different places. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty much evidenced by how they take to the journey. And I think it's interesting too, like going to what the war, the the iron rod is. Yeah. Right for me, is the word of God, which is significant not just because it's the scriptures, but also that it is revelation. It yeah. is the rock that Christ said he would build his church on. Right when he's talking to Peter about how he got the answer that he's the Son of God, that is the word of God. It's not just the scriptures. It's the covenant we make to do what he asks us to do and be instructed by him. Yes. And it's interesting that Sariah and Sam and Nephi grab the hold of the rod and they make their way to Lehi, but Laman and Lemuel won't. Yes. And this, I think when he's talking about how he has much to, to be rejoice over Sam and Nephi about and to fear for Laman and Lemuel about, he's kind of seeing a little bit forward like a prophet does. And as we know, Laman and Lemuel refuse to go to Heavenly Father to get this dream, right? Yeah. We know that Nephi does, and I would almost suspect, even though it's not recorded, I wonder if Sam eventually does too. And that's why he has much to rejoice with them, because yeah. they laid hold on the Word of God in action, even just with the dream, mm -hmm. and they got revelation. They were instructed by God. Laman and Lemuel, they wouldn't come. Yeah. They wouldn't do it. And that's evidenced by how they reacted to everything. Which is, right now we should emphasize what the iron, the rod of iron is, right? Mm -hmm. It's the word of God, which basically means revelation. Mm -hmm. um, getting your own revelation and coming and grabbing hold of that and, and, and leading you to the Lord. Yep. Not letting anything deter you from holding on to the word of God that he gives to you. Yeah, I mean, like, but in, in our culture today, we often think of the the iron rod and we think, oh, that's got to be scriptures. That's got to be, um, you know, this and that. It's got to be our leaders. Yeah, it's got to be, got to be our leadership. It's got to be, you know, all this stuff. But really, it's receiving your own revelation mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. Um, seeking for the word of God from the source exactly you've been you've pretty much been asked to hold on to that rod yourself you're not holding on to the hand of someone <laughs> who's holding the rod <laughs> who's holding the rod that's true 
I think that's very that's important. Well, maybe there's and some like a chain. <laughs> it isn't a chain, like right? I'm Twenty people back on this chain, right? <laughs> sure, hope the person to the right of me is holding on to the person to the right of them. Yeah. Hopefully, they're holding on to the word of God. Yeah, you know, like, no, each person needs to hold on to the rod themselves. Yes, exactly. You can't put someone Otherwise in you're between trusting. you. Yeah. And the rod of iron, because yeah. that is your revelation. That is what is going to bring you to Christ. Yep. And I would, I would say that a the role of the prophet, kind of like Lehi in this dream, yeah. is to tell people to grab hold of the rod. Exactly. And make their way to the tree, right? Exactly. It's not just, okay, Lehi, you take hold of that rod. And then Nephi, you too, because yes. you become a prophet sometime yeah. soon. Because, but he wants everybody, yeah, to take a hold of that rod. Yeah, and and following along with this analogy a little bit, going back to something I said, the fruit being the second comforter experience. Mm -hmm. A prophet has had their second comforter experience. It's very much expressed directly in the scriptures. They've mm -hmm. they've come to Christ in their glory, mm -hmm. and they then tell other people how to do the same, which is why Lehi is standing at the tree telling them to grab hold of the Word of God. He's not walking it with them. He yeah. already did that. Yeah, now that's, And that's the purpose of a prophet is a prophet is someone who's seen and talked to the Lord, and the Lord always, in the case of his prophets, tells them to go and share what they have seen. And what they have heard from yeah. him, right? Go and teach them to do yes. likewise. Yep. And stuff like that. And I find it interesting. It talks about different groups of people. If we move on a little bit. And it says, I saw one this one group of people. And they they came and they found the path. Yes. But it doesn't say they grabbed hold of the rod. It said they came and they found the path. That's true. That led to the tree. It doesn't say anything about them grabbing hold of the rod. And what happened to this particular group of people? It talks about the mist of, of darkness. darkness come up. Yeah. And which the mist of darkness that can be um, veils, I like to call them veils of unbelief. Yeah. Like I mean, true. most of them are self-imposed. Yeah. Like hardening your heart against something, putting a veil of unbelief yeah. in something. Stiff keeps Yes. Keeps you from progressing in that. It could be false traditions. It could be philosophies of men, temptations, doubt, depression, no, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. All these things kind of cloud and keep you from, from coming to the truth. So these people, they found the path, but yeah. because of these mists of darkness, because they weren't holding on to the rod, it, they got lost and wandered away Yeah, because of those, that unbelief, those traditions you know, all that other stuff. That's interesting. I, I never really thought about, but yeah, there's the straight and narrow path and the rod are two different things. Well, the rod goes it. alongside the path. Yeah, exactly. The path, it's, it's like the natural law, the natural order that dictates what we need to do to claim ascension experiences and to to reach where Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ is. It's it's the natural way of things. Mm -hmm. well, Christ is the the rod which then leads you down the path. Yeah. The path isn't the way. The path is the natural construct around it. The path is the commandments. The path is 
those yeah, the, things. The natural law. Yeah. Like yeah. Those things saying, yeah. that you have to do to be able to receive the word of God, mm-hmm. you know, to keep, keep holding on to that rod. Yeah. Yeah. But I find it interesting. You have in verse 21 through 23, it talks about these num- numberless concourses of people that find the path. It doesn't say anything about them getting the rod. Mm-hmm. And then the mist of darkness comes up and there they wander away and are lost. Yeah. But in verse 24, it talks about other groups of people. And it says, And it came to pass, I beheld others pressing forward, and they came forth and caught hold of the end of the rod mm-hmm. of iron, right? Yep. And so you have this second group who come forth and they actually grab onto the rod instead of just finding the path. Yep. And does it ever say they came forth and grabbed onto the middle of the rod? No, I was just going to make the that end point. Of the rod, yeah. yeah, it's at the end. You have to start at you the You have start to beginning. start at the beginning. It's uh, Jacob's ladder yeah. all over again. And, and Joseph made reference to this. Rung over rung, line upon line. Three same deal. Three you have to start at the bottom of the ladder. Mm-hmm. And it's only through the instruction of Christ that we then progress along that path. Yep. Now, if we go over to... um, Well, if we go back to this other group, it goes on in verse 24, and it talks about, they cut on to the the end of the rod of iron, right? Yes. And it says they pressed forward through the mist of darkness, clinging to the iron rod even until they come forth and partake of the fruit of the tree. So you got to have that, got a hold of that iron rod to make it through the mist of darkness in order to get to the tree, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, if we go to... Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not sure (laughs) because (laughs) I've got papers and everything everywhere. She has all her notes everywhere. That should be the picture for you. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but I, I do have it numbered um, of Nephi's, what he's, his interpretation from the the angel is. And it's verse 25 of whatever chapter is after that. But um, it says, And it came to pass that I beheld that the rod of iron, which my father had seen, was the word of God which led to the fountain of living waters or to the tree of life or to the tree of life, mm-hmm. which waters are a representation of the love of God. And I also beheld that the tree of life was a representation of the love of God. And the love of God is the love of our heavenly father and our heavenly mother mm-hmm. who gave their son Yep. Yeah. To so we can all have a chance to ascend. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And here I'm going to cut in and encourage everyone to listen in to part two where you'll get to hear our continuing thoughts on the vision of the tree of life and our concluding remarks. Remember to seek his face continually. <laughs>